Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is December 18th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my preview of the game between the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. So to get right into it, the Dolphins, who are 8-5, will go up against the New England Patriots, who are 6-7 this Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens, Florida. Now, I will say, this is one of the rare instances where I think the Dolphins are actually a pretty good consensus favorite for for this game, even though the Dolphins, you know, they typically tend to split games with the Patriots and tend to typically win that game against them uh, when they're at home, even though that tended to happen. Uh, I do think that the Dolphins typically were the underdogs in those situations, and you could not necessarily bet on them with confidence. But in this instance, I think the Dolphins are just the better team, and most would agree on that. Now, the Dolphins are coming off of what was a good performance against the Kansas City Chiefs that they barely lost. On the other side the Patriots are struggling bouncing between quarterbacks Cam Newton and Jared Stidham at times with no real signs of rebounding for this season now in their first matchup the Patriots soundly beat the Dolphins 21 to 11 back in week one it was Cam Newton's first game as a starter for the Patriots and he flat out dominated the game he put up 155 passing yards 75 rushing yards and he had two touchdowns both of which were on the ground now the Dolphins haven't been dominated by an opposing team that same way all season as their loss in that game that was by 10 points was their biggest margin of defeat all year. So we'll begin by taking a look at the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins offense could be without several key players for this upcoming week. Last week, the Dolphins were without three of their primary running backs and lost Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki during the game. Now, as of right now, Devontae Parker is expected to play this week despite the injury and tight end Mike Gesicki. He was a surprise participant in this Thursday's practice. His injury initially looked very severe on the field, but he practiced in limited fashion. It is still unknown whether he will be able to play this week, but just the fact that he was out there practicing is a massive plus and really goes to show how tough that Mike Kosicki is. Now, if we take a look here at the offensive side of the ball, uh, despite the wide range of injuries across the Dolphins' offense, it was one of Tungavailoa's best games as a professional last week. He he had a career-high 316 yards passing, and he had three total touchdowns. His production was uh, able to keep the Dolphins close against a very high-octane Chiefs offense, and he was able to play pretty secure with the ball, though he did have his first interception of his professional career, but I don't know if all the blame necessarily needs to fall on him. Now, last week, fans saw a slightly unleashed version of Tungo Vailoa. He attempted 17 passes of 10-plus yards, and he had the fourth-highest average air yards per pass attempt among all quarterbacks last week. Now, Tua has been mostly a game manager so far this season, but with the team's inability to really establish a run game, it forced him to throw a career-high 48 passes. Now, as mentioned, uh, heavily this season, Tungvaluwa is throwing into tight windows more often than any other quarterback in all of football. That is in large part because of the receiver's inability to create separation and also the play calls that don't really allow players to get 
get open. Does some of the blame need to fall on the rookie quarterback? You know, of course it does. But when three of your top primary receivers are all in the bottom five of separation, then that shows that it's a problem that is out of the quarterback's control. Now, receiver Devontae Parker left last week's game with a foot injury. Parker's massive 6'3 frame and his ability to come down with these impressive contested catches makes him a vital part of this offense's ability to push the ball downfield. Now, without Parker and Preston Williams, the Dolphins' remaining receiver group consists of Lynn Bowden, who is 5'11", Jakeem Grant, who is 5'7", Malcolm Perry, who is 5'10", and Antonio Callaway, who is also 5'10". Now, I will say Mac Hollins is 6'4", but you can already see that most of the receivers here are leaning towards the short side. Now, Lynn Bowden Jr., who had a team-high 82 yards last week, looks impressive in the short to intermediate game, but he doesn't really seem like a viable deep threat. Now, Jakeem Grant, who has a terrific burst of speed, capable of getting behind the secondary, he doesn't really seem dependable when it comes to reeling in these big plays. And then receiver Antonio Callaway, who thrived as a deep threat in Cleveland, he has been a ghost during his few opportunities on the field. So with that being said, Parker missing this game would be absolutely huge. Now, receiver Isaiah Ford may be primed for a revenge game this week against his former team. Now, Ford is in an interesting position where he was traded by the Dolphins to the Patriots, then released by the Patriots and picked up again by the Dolphins. Now, with Ford's familiarity with the system and him being so reliable, he could be in a position here to have a big role. Ford has always thrived, again, in the short to intermediate game and has been fairly impressive at finding gaps and getting separation, something that the offense as of right now currently desperately needs. Now, despite being traded from the team, Ford is still third on the team in receiving yards per game among wide receivers who are on the team, showing that nobody was truly able to replicate his production consistently. Now, receiver Lynn Bowden Jr. here is picking up a lot as of late. He has caught 11 of his 13 passes over the last two games for 123 yards. His effectiveness in that intermediate game and being able to maneuver through traffic after the catch leads me to think that Bowden should be primed here for yet another solid outing once again. Now, the Dolphins are in a difficult position uh, when it comes to that running back position. Miles Gaskin is still on the COVID list, and Savon Ahmed, as of right now, is still questionable. Now, Matt Breida and DeAndre Washington should both play. At this moment, though, if Ahmed plays, I would assume that he leads the team in carries. If Ahmed can't play, then I imagine Washington will lead the team in those obvious run situations with Matt Breida sprinkled in as a change of pace back. Now, if we take a look here, at the Dolphins' defense, it remains the strong side of the team. The Dolphins' defense had another strong outing against the Chiefs. They intercepted Mahomes three times, they caused a fumble, and they also held Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to only two yards per carry. The Dolphins' blitz percentage of 40% is third in the NFL. Their 33% third down conversion rate on the defensive side of the ball is the best in the NFL. Their 83.7 passer rating allowed is the third lowest in the league. So there are a ton of positives there. Now, if there's any negative, uh, they have allowed the six most passes of 20 plus yards and the third most passes of 40 plus yards, showing that their aggressiveness on defense can also leave them prone to that big play. They have also allowed 1,685 yards after the catch, which is the sixth most in the 
entire NFL. Now, cornerback Xavier Howard continues to pad his case for Defensive Player of the Year after reeling in that magnificent one-handed interception last week. Howard leads the NFL in interceptions with nine, with five of those coming in consecutive games. There truly are no signs of Howard slowing down as he continuously makes these plays on the ball, and he has even had some drops that could truly have pushed that interception total to this monstrous level. Now, defensive end Emmanuel Ogba was among the top defensive players in the NFL in the first half of the season, but he has slowed down lately. His eight sacks on the season is currently 10th in the NFL, but he has not added to that total in the last four games. Now, defensive end Zach Sealer, he had another monster game last week, and he had three tackles for a loss in that game. Sealer plays a large factor in the Dolphins' progress when it comes to their ability to stop the run. He is a massive, just mauler in the trenches that either rips through the line or causes so much chaos inside that those lanes become congested. Now, Eric Rowe, the safety here, he had his second interception of the season last week, and he will be one of the many players facing his former team in this game. Rowe had done a commendable job at stopping tight ends so far this season, but last week was a different story against Travis Kelsey. Rowe was targeted eight times last week, and he allowed seven completions for 144 yards. Now, linebackers Kyle Van Noy and Alandon Roberts were both limited participants in practice on Wednesday and Thursday after they missed last week's game against the Chiefs. Two weeks ago, Van Noy had his best game of the year, though, where he recorded three sacks. And when it comes to Alandon Roberts, he has struggled a bit in pass coverage, but he has made up for it with several monster plays when it comes to stopping the run. It seems like Roberts has at least one play per game where he either rips through the line for a huge loss or he stuffs a runner at the line of scrimmage. Now, linebacker Jerome Baker has been all over the field this season, and there was no better example than last week. Baker had two and a half sacks on Mahomes, including a massive play, which ended up being a sack for a loss of 30 yards. Now, cornerback Byron Jones had his first interception since 2017 last week. He allowed three completions on three targets. He is allowing a 103 passer rating when targeted, which is only behind Noah Igbenogany for cornerbacks on this team. So if we move over here and go to the opposite side and we take a look at the New England Patriots, despite a modest 6-7 and seven record, many have regarded the Patriots season as a massive failure. Their recent performances sum up their season. They lost to a 3-7 and seven Texans team. Then they had two solid games, including a dominant 45-0 shutout win against the Chargers. But then they got mercilessly destroyed by the Rams the following week, 24-3. The Patriots quarterbacks were sacked six times last week against the Rams. Now, Cam Newton's dominant week one showcase against the Dolphins appeared to be more of a mirage than anything. In the last three games, uh, Newton has struggled mightily. His passing yards for those last three weeks goes as follows, 84 yards, 69 yards, and 119. In those three games, he managed three total touchdowns and three interceptions. Newton's 75-yard, two-touchdown rushing performance against the Dolphins is still his best of the season. He has only managed more than 50 rushing yards in two other games since then. He, of course, is still used a lot in the red zone as he has totaled 11 rushing touchdowns this season compared to only five passing touchdowns. And a nice little stat here per NFL's next-gen stats that only three current starting quarterbacks have a shorter intended air yards per target than Cam Newton. In other words, Cam Newton is 
not really throwing the ball far downfield when he does make these pass attempts. Now, the Patriots have found a surprising amount of success from their running game, which is currently led by Damian Harris. Now, Harris is a powerful, explosive runner capable of breaking off some big runs. He has three games this season with over 100 yards rushing, and he is averaging five yards per carry, which is seventh among running backs. And that is ahead of players like Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara, and Kareem Hunt. Harris is currently right now listed as questionable with an ankle injury. Now, if we move on here and take a look at the receiving group for the Patriots, wide receiver Demir Bird leads the Patriots in receiving yards with 566 yards, and he also leads the team in targets and receptions. Bird had a massive 132-yard performance against the Texans in Week 11, but if you remove that game from the equation, he is averaging 43 yards receiving per game, so not really impressive. Now, former college quarterback Jacoby Myers is an impressive receiver for this team, and he's been capable of putting up some solid games, but considering that only a handful of elite receivers have truly gotten the best out of cornerback Xavier Howard, it would be tough for me to imagine a scenario where he has a monster breakout game. He does not have a touchdown reception this season, but he has thrown a touchdown pass. Now, Newton has been widely unproductive when throwing the ball, but this receiver group as a whole is doing him no favors. This is definitely one of the worst receiving units in all of football right now, with Julian Edelman, who is currently on IR after undergoing a minor knee surgery. Again, as of right now, Julian Edelman is listed as day-to-day. -day. That's what Bill Belichick said, despite being on IR. So there is a potential for him to make an appearance, but as of right now, I don't know how likely that is. Now, given the strength of the Dolphins' secondary, this seems to be, as of right now, a colossal mismatch in Miami's favor. Now, if we take a look at the defensive side of the ball here for the Patriots, the Patriots' defense has been as unpredictable as the rest of the team. As mentioned earlier, they completely shut down the Chargers two weeks ago, holding them to zero points. They also shut down a red-hot Cardinals team, holding DeAndre Hopkins to only 55 yards receiving and keeping Kyler Murray from scoring a single touchdown. But then there are the bad games. They allowed a Jets offense that was led by Joe Flacco to drop 27 on them in week nine and they nearly lost that game. Flacco had finished with 262 yards, three touchdowns and 101 yards going to Brashad Perriman. They most recently allowed rookie running back Cam Akers of the Los Angeles Rams to run all over them, finishing with a monster 171 yard game. Now the Patriots will enter this game with the third most interceptions in the entire NFL behind only the Steelers and the Dolphins. The Patriots nine sacks on the season is the sixth fewest in the NFL. Even in their shutout game against the Chargers, New England only managed one sack. Now, I will say, despite not having the sacks to show for it, the Patriots are second in quarterback hurries and third in pressures. Now, to go over some of the players on this defensive side, it features, of course, last year's Defensive Player of the Year, Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore is allowing a team low 56.3 completion percentage 
and has not recorded an interception so far this season. Now, cornerback J.C. Jackson has been playing terrific this year as well. He has been battling with Dolphins' Xavier Howard for that NFL lead in interceptions. He is currently second behind Howard with seven on the season. Jackson has also done a fine job at limiting receivers across from him, giving up a completion percentage of only 58% so far this year. Now, as of right now, Jackson is currently listed as questionable with a knee injury. Defensive end Chase Vinovich leads a team in sacks with three and a half on the season. Now, a reminder, former Patriot Kyle Van Noy had three just in his last game alone. So that really shows how much the Patriots have struggled to sack the quarterback. Safety Adrian Phillips leads a team in tackles and also in tackles for a loss with seven. So to get into my expectations for this game, the first one that I have here is that uh, it's a slow game. Both teams in here uh, rely heavily on their defense. The Dolphins offense has been coming along recently, but with the handful of injuries they're currently dealing with, it's hard for me to imagine them becoming a full-blown offensive powerhouse in this game. The Patriots offense on the opposite side has been struggling all season, and that should also continue. So with that being said, I expect the Dolphins to stick to the short passing game and the Patriots to rely on the run, leading to this game being a slow and low scoring affair. My next expectation is that we see a ton of Damian Harris if he plays. I expect Harris to have a somewhat solid outing in this game in large part because I expect him to receive a heavy amount of volume and for the Patriots defense to be able to keep the pace of the game slow enough for the running game to be involved for much of the duration of the game. I think the Dolphins defense will do a pretty good job when it comes to neutralizing the Patriots offense as a whole, but I think Damian Harris here could have some success. Now my last expectation is that neither quarterback has a terrific performance. This kind of ties back into the first two points, but I don't think that this game leads to either quarterback having a great day through the air. Tungawailoa had his first 300-yard game last week, but I would be pleasantly surprised here if he throws for over 250. And frankly, I would be surprised if Cam Newton even hits 200. To me, this game has defense, short passes, and running written all over it. Now, to get into my keys to the victory here for this one, the first one here is to stop the run. Cam Newton's running ability defined their first matchup, so obviously that needs to be addressed for this game. Newton struggles at moving the ball through the air, so containing him should be the team's first objective. Now, as I mentioned, though, Damian Harris and James White will both be heavily involved in this game. This can't be a game where the Patriots can just run at will. So keep Damian Harris here under 60 yards rushing, and I think the Dolphins should have pretty good control over this game. My next key to the victory here is be accurate with the football and don't throw interceptions. The Patriots haven't been great at getting hits on the quarterback this season, and if you watch the game against the Chargers, uh, Justin Herbert had enough time to throw, but what he didn't have was open receivers, and that's again with the Chargers having a pretty talented receiver group. The Dolphins will enter this game already weak at that position against a very tough secondary. Tua should be able to stay clean in this game, but making smart decisions and then physically getting the ball to his receivers will be a challenge even in the short game. Last time these teams played, Fitzpatrick threw three interceptions. That can't happen again here. My last key to the victory for this game is have a great game from the offensive line. Now the Patriots defensive line hasn't really been imposing this season when it comes to getting those hits on the quarterback, but they do enough to force bad decisions to be made. 
On top of that, if the Patriots secondary is on point on Sunday, the Dolphins will need help from the running game, not just to move the ball downfield, but also to create some short yardage opportunities in the pass game, forcing Tua to make deep passes on third downs in this game with a potentially depleted receiver group just sounds like a recipe for disaster. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven and at via the source. If you have any questions or comments or thoughts that you would like to share with me, you can always feel free to send them to me on Twitter at either of those locations. Guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, if you could leave a review on the Apple Podcast app, you guys know that would be a tremendous help and it does go a long way. Again, big shout out to all the supporters. You guys have been amazing and I am really encouraged by every time I see either a positive review or you guys interacting on Twitter. It really does help a lot and encourage me to, you know, continue putting in so much effort on this podcast, guys. It really does go a long way. That's how I'm going to wrap it up, though. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was Via the Source.